As vehicles become more advanced, so do the skills required to repair and maintain them. The world needs highly skilled professionals like you to keep them running. Receive auto or diesel technician training at Universal Technical Institute. Work with your head and your hands and learn to troubleshoot problems using state-of-the-industry technology. Get the education you need to reach for success. You could be career-ready in as little as one year. To learn more about training in your area, visit uti.edu slash longbeach. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Born to Talk radio show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. What's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, like you're going to hear today, and some are uniquely different. And I would like to, I'm so excited, I would like to introduce you to my guest today, Rachel Oldham. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, Marcia. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so happy. And I wanted to just mention, you know how I, I talked about at the beginning, these three C's of conversations and connections and community. It's because of a connection of a mutual friend, Lisa Daggett, who's actually been a guest on my show twice. Um, she is the one that connected me to you. And I love mm-hmm. when that happens. And I wanted people to know that you are a widow advocate. And you're also the yes. mom to a 16-year-old daughter, Claire. And you are her momager. And we're going to talk about what that means later mm-hmm. on into the show because I love that term. But really this show is all about you, Rachel, about your life before you were married, while you were married, and really how you're living your life today as a widow. So with that in mind, I think it would be great to just learn a little bit about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and just your life prior to marriage? Sure. I grew up in the Northern California, in the Bay Area, San Jose to be specific. Um, hmm. was basically there all my, all my life till teenage years. And... Um, then I met my husband, Dave, I think I was about, I think it was about 16. And it was oh. not a super interesting story. I was, you know, it was through friends type of a thing. We had mutual uh-huh. friends and met, yes. <laughs> were you in high school but I was together? Really or did it, pardon? Were you in high school together if you were that young? Or did you go to a different, you must have no, lived in San Jose, I'm assuming. He was. He was actually um, six and a half years older than me, so he was out of high school by the time I met him. Okay. So we were not actually an item until I was mm-hmm. out of high school, but we were friends before that. So that's that's great. You know, it's funny when when I when we when I do my show with with my guests, and I have an, an intention that you know gets us through this show it always sidelines it's always I always a joke it's like you're talking to Marsha and suddenly says you see the squirrel so that happens and what I didn't <laughs> know about you is that you're from San Jose and how I can relate to that Rachel is I spent a lot of time in San Jose because my son when he graduated from high school went to San Jose State and and was oh. actually up in the San Jose area for five years 
and um, we loved going up there. It's it's a really nice community. It's it's not far from a lot of really cool places. The older you get, like it's, San Francisco it, and all that's the a, wine country. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. There's nothing super interesting in San Jose itself, but it's really close to a lot of really cool places. So it's a very good mm-hmm. location, and go any direction in an hour, and you're someplace cool. <laughs> You well, and look, of course, unless you're a sports fan, and then you would say that you you made a mistake because the sharks are at the tank in San Jose. But we'll there just you put go. that aside. So <laughs> what 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 brought you from San Jose um, down to Los Angeles? Well, we'll probably talk about it a little more later. But actually, we moved here for my daughter. Um, okay. About six six years ago in September. Oh, or will it be seven years? So you were it actually living, might be seven you, years in September. Oh, no. So were you living in the Bay Area until you came down here to um, L.A.? Well, no, we actually moved. Um, we lived in the Santa Cruz area for a little while, mm, that's and nice. then mm-hmm. it was very nice. And then we moved up to the Sacramento area, and that was where my daughter was born, was up there. So we were actually married um, almost 12 years when she was born. I um, see. So we were married because I got married at 19. Um, oh, you were a kid. <laughs> I was. I got oh, married great. at 19. I, you know, graduated from high school and like six months later, six, well, almost a year later, I guess it was, get, uh, engaged six months later and then we got married. Um, wow. So I was married super young and then, but we waited a while before we had my daughter um, mm-hmm. and she was um, raised up in the Sacramento area for the first 10 years of her life. Got it. So how I, you know, I've mentioned at the top of the hour that you are a widow and that will definitely yes. be a big part of what our shows evolve. So let me just ask you, how long were you and David married? We were married 23 years when he passed away. So I was okay. 42 when he passed away. Well, and you knew him from when you were 16. Yep. So that that's that's you know that's a I knew huge, him longer, huge portion. I knew him longer than I didn't know him. <laughs> isn't isn't that interesting when you think about it that way? That when you just bring your life forward, um, and you realize. Um, that, you know, here you are, you're, I believe you're 47 years old now, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, 47. That you yeah. realize that more than half of your life spent with him, it's, it's yes. sort of a staggering reality. I mean, you can't count having a relationship when you're 5, 6, 8, 10, 12. So you take those years out, and in reality, what you really know is being a couple more than any other relationship, you you mean you know what it's like to be a mom, you know what it's like to be a daughter, but um, being a couple is probably the most um, common way you would identify yourself. And right. I can I can, I, cer- I can certainly relate to that. Seriously, relate right, to I, that. Right. I was. It was it was a weird concept to not be a wife anymore because I was a wife first. So long, right? Can you? Would you? If it's not too difficult, 
um, and you want to bring David into this this story. And I must tell you, that is my son's name as well. So there's another connection. Um, I, do you mind sharing a little bit about the, no, his struggles and health issues? Okay. So I will. I'm going to go back to his childhood a little bit, only because we found out he he had cancer, but. This was a secondary cancer to a cancer that he had as a child starting at eight. So he had cancer at eight and nine. He had Hodgkin's disease, and he was actually one of the first survivors of it. Hmm. And um, so he was, you know, he had some health issues and some health problems along the way, but he was, you know, he was pretty healthy for the most part. And... Um, there was a secondary cancer called large B cell lymphoma, which usually you got like 25 years later. And we were like knocking on wood because it didn't show up. For whatever reason, it showed up 40 years later. So we're not sure why it took so much longer for it to show up for him. Um, Unfortunately, um, large B cell lymphoma, if you or I were to get it, would be very easily treated. But because of his body the way it was, it, the the chemo was just too harsh for him. And um, yeah, and then he didn't make it. So he was. We had just moved to Orange County at the time. And we hadn't even unpacked the boxes. I mean, all the boxes that we were maybe in the house about three weeks or so. And he had been, he kept having an earache and he kept Mm. going to the doctor and they kept giving him antibiotics and, you know, and it, it kept not feeling better. And I finally was like, why don't you go to the dentist? Maybe you have some sort of weird you know, impacted tooth or something. And yeah, something. And, the doctor, when he did the x-ray, the dentist, I should say, um, apparently had kind of a nervous look on his face and told him he needed to go to the doctor and demand x-rays be done. <laughs> so he wouldn't say what he saw, but mm-hmm. the dentist is actually who got the doctors to get a little more investigative. And basically he had some sort of like, lymph node that was impacted and it was it was swelling up a little bit and that was what was making his ear hurt it wasn't it wasn't actually his ear hurting um mm-hmm. so um in any case um he then found out he had cancer so my daughter had just mm-hmm. turned 11 the week before we found out so it was mm-hmm. all like right in that time and the, they decided not to start chemo until January, and we're in November at this point, um, because they figured, eh, let's get through the holidays and everything, because he was at stage one. So they weren't super concerned about it. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out as planned. Um, so right. he was... In and out of the hospital, he was the unfortunate one that, you know, how they have the warnings on medications of, you know, 1% to 3% of people may experience this side effect. Unfortunately right. for him, 
every single medication that they gave him, it affected him adversely. Mm -hmm. And he passed away May 10th of 2013. So January 4th he started, and he was gone by May 10th. Oh, my goodness. That was a very I, – I, I don't even know how to react to that because I, my, my, my first thought is um, he didn't have a prolonged suffering. My second thought is, is, oh, my goodness, from diagnosis to passing, what are we talking about January, February, March, four months? Well, it and was for difficult was from, months, right? From, from well, from di- from diagnosis, because it was November. It was oh, like okay. I think it was about six months from diagnosis to when he actually passed. But um, mm-hmm. it was it was a very rapid decline. So that was really hard to watch, and I bet really hard when the doctors are telling you he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And you have a kid asking you, is he going to be fine? And you're telling them what the doctors are telling you, but you're looking at this person going, you now look like you have been in a concentration camp and, you know, are so thin and so just mm-hmm. don't even look like the same person anymore that it's, you know, the poor kid had to go through this too and watch all this. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting, Rachel. My experience is so dramatically different than yours in that mm-hmm. my husband was much older. My husband was 62. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids were already married and out of the house. Um, we were both retired and going on to that next that next phase. And it's, it's kind of funny because you hear sometimes about people, especially little people that are, that are older, you know, they retire and then they drop dead or, mm-hmm. or one, one, one parent passes and the other parent passes shortly thereafter from just a broken heart because maybe mm-hmm. they're in their eighties, you know, they're considerably older. You hear stories like that. And yes. I remember thinking about Butch thinking, don't you be one of those people. You know, don't I, I, come on. We we got things to do. I I felt that I was young too. I was fifty nine years old, and we like I met him when I was nineteen. We were together for forty years, married thirty eight of them, and he passed away in a much different way than your husband. He just drove to the Staples Center on day two of the of the Pac ten tournament and sat down and died. So he oh went from being alive and having breakfast with me and driving to the Staples Center to not being alive. And that was pretty dramatic, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't care if, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to say that. That isn't how I meant to say that. It doesn't matter. I don't care is the wrong term. It doesn't matter if you're an 11-year-old or you're in your 30s. The loss of your dad and your daughter didn't get Claire didn't get nearly the amount of time with her dad that my kids right. got with theirs. It is right. devastating to our children. And we almost grieve not only for ourselves. I don't know if I'm just speaking for me or if you would relate to this, but we're grieving for our children. Well, you know, that's exactly right. Feels, isn't that true? That, that's exactly right. No, it's exactly true. Not only do you have to manage your own grief, you have to manage your children's grief as well, especially when they're young. Um, yes. And so, 
So a lot of young widows find themselves not even being able to grieve properly for themselves because they've mm-hmm. got to keep it together for their kids. They don't have right. that time to just fall apart and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of let it all out. It's like, no, you have to get up. You have to, you know, you still have to feed them and clothe them and make sure they're getting their education and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Life still goes on because they're right. still little. Like there's no chance to just, you know, kind know. of let it come how – and so I, I think sometimes not, I, I, and I never want to minimize anybody's grief, but sometimes the younger widows have a lot more to deal with. Um, I believe you're because, right. Because of the, the children that are involved. And then I also have widowed friends who are young and they never had a chance to have children yet. And so they have that that they carry with them too because sometimes they were trying. Yeah, that they never got that as well. So right. it's everybody's story is so unique, but then at the same time, it's the same. We we have definite similarities. I remember when m- my daughter was the age of Claire, when my father-in-law passed away, and he died. He was buried on her birthday, and oh. it left such an impact on her and and they lived in Detroit they didn't live here in Los Angeles um but his passing had such an impact on her that honestly we just don't celebrate her birthday we just skirt it um and the older she got the more we skirted it and he, my husband actually died the day after her birthday um, oh, in 2009 and and you know so um and, you know, dads are just a rock, aren't they? I mean, they're just like, yes. go to your dad because he, he'll fix it. You know, that's the way my husband right. was. But right. um, so with this in mind, with this background about, you know, you're a young widow. You probably don't know a lot of other women in your situation. Claire probably didn't have any friends in her situation either. What I'd be curious to know about because you are an advocate, what inspired you? What inspired you to become that person to be that advocate for widows? So for me, when I was very first widowed, I really didn't want to buy, be identified as a widow. It was very upsetting to me if somebody would call me that. If I had mm-hmm. to say it, I just was like, I'm too young to be widowed. I, I don't like that word, but yet I was. Whether I wanted to uh-huh. call that or not didn't really change it. So I kind of, I would say for the first couple of years, kind of just, unless I had to deal with it for some, you know, paperwork reasons or whatever, I just kind of didn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, you know how it is. Year one, you're kind of numb. Year two is a really hard year. And then I was kind of coming out of all that year three and it occurred to me that people need help. You know, I they right. need that support. And so I started seeking out um, online groups, and mm-hmm. I found a group online and just kind of connected that way a little bit. And then a couple years ago, um, 
I went to a meetup group for widowed people and just thought, you know, I really, I really want to reach out and find other people because I know how lonely it feels. Because I don't know about you, but most of the widows that I know, you kind of lose your set of friends. Not, not maliciously, but people mm-hmm. kind of don't know what to do with you anymore. You were a couple, and now you're no longer a couple. So your couple friends, right. either they kind of shy away from you, or even if they do invite you, you may be the one that feels awkward because you're like the third wheel or the fifth wheel or whatever, and it just right. it doesn't feel right. And then your friends, we're not used to death, talking about death, dealing with death in this country, so we kind of just pretend like it doesn't exist even though everybody has to deal with it at some point. And so mm-hmm. you're kind of the elephant in the room when you're around of like, uh, yeah, she makes me uncomfortable because of her situation. So they kind of shy away. So what I found was, because I was guilty of this myself, you kind of want to be a hermit and stay at home and just mm-hmm. not be out there. And it was like, this is not healthy. So I decided to start an online group for widowed people to get social and to just mm-hmm. um, to just um, be able have a, to have a get back out mm-hmm. into society and and have some friends that understand mm-hmm. what you're dealing with. And if you want to talk about your dead spouse, you can talk about your dead spouse and. Nobody panics, whereas some of times people that haven't dealt with it yet, they it makes them uncomfortable, and right. so they don't want you to talk about them. Or you might tear up a little bit, and they get uncomfortable because you're having a moment, you know, whereas I was with, just when you're with your say widowed that. friends, mm-hmm. yeah, when you're with your widowed friends, you can have your laughter, you can have your tears, it can be, you know, a whole roller coaster of emotions and nobody nobody panics, nobody freaks out because we've all been there, we've all done it. And right. so it's a nice place to be, um, that we get to, you know, go get coffee or go out to dinner or go to the movies or, you know, different mm-hmm. events that we've gone to. Mm-hmm. And it kinda helps us ease into society. Um in so a that's why I started way. it. In a right. social way, right. right? And it's not in it's a not social a dating, way. right? It's not mm-hmm. necessarily dating because that's not mm-hmm. what the group is about. That's Although if focus, somebody met, right. right? If somebody met, it wouldn't be like you know there wouldn't be rules against it or whatever. But it, it's sure. not specific for that. Um, but just what I have noticed is that the more social people get the more they are comfortable getting back into the dating world because they kind of have their social graces back because they're around people and out doing things and having fun. And um, it, it was fun because I have the Southern California group and um, somebody asked to join that lived in Northern California. And I said, well, I hate to not be inclusive, I said, but this is for people that, you know, live down here so that we can actually go do things. It's not really a chatty group as far as, you know, that goes online. And she goes, well, my parents Mm -hmm. live down there, 
you know, so I go down there quite a bit. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds, that makes sense. Let's add you to the group. So she saw the things Mm -hmm. we were doing and she said, can you help me make a group in Northern California too? So I actually have two groups. I have a Northern California group too. And um, I basically, sometimes people find it, but a lot of times because I'm in the other groups, when I see somebody new from California, I message them and find out like, hey, where do you live? And then I add them to one of the groups if they want to be added. I think that's so great. And you know, I I think it's important because sometimes I feel like words really matter. And when we use the word widows, do you mean that um, inclusive to mean widowers? Like there's the widow that's, there's like a male and female term for widows, isn't there? At least there was in the old days. Is that still something that people even use today? Are you a widower, which means you're a man, or are you a widow, which means you're a woman? Is Have those words gone out the window? Um, no, I think, I, you know, I, I try to go with the generic widowed people sometimes, but no, uh-huh. there's still widows and widowers. Um, okay. A lot of times it's more, a lot of the groups will just say widow um, because, you know, 90% of widowed people are women. There's a very small yes. number of men that are widowed. Um, but, yeah, that's it's the the terms are still there although if you if you google mm-hmm. the word a lot of not nice stuff comes up because of you know black widow spiders and things like that. oh no kidding oh that's interesting yeah. wow that's that who i never thought of that so and it it's you know it it really is um an interesting story you mentioned that it's not a dating site because there are plenty of dating sites for widows and widowers if they choose to want to do that or or not even identify themselves. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, how do you identify yourself if indeed you are on a dating site, which I happen to be, um, you know, you could say that you're single, but I don't think of myself as, I mean, I'm alone. I, when I hear single, I, I just that's just that's, that just doesn't seem like the correct definition of who I am. I'm a widow, which then lets this potential person know, well, she's been married before, you know. So right. um, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea, frankly. It, you know, but, it's um, a it's a it's a mixed bag on that because unfortunately, when people know that you're a widow. Either you're going to have the scammers that are preying on your vulnerability of, ooh, she's widowed and yep. I can take advantage of her. Yep. Or there is also a weird phenomenon that some men are very hesitant about dating or getting involved with a widow. There's mm-hmm. there's multiple reasons why, but it it's like they don't want to compete with a dead person. So, exactly. you know, it just too much for them and I try to tell people yeah I try to tell people look if you can love multiple people if you have more than one child you love all those children you can you know you have multiple family members you love all of those family members our heart has an infinite amount of love to have so you can still love somebody that's dead and still make room for somebody new, um, I agree. But you have to, you have to be a special person 
to date a widowed person or to get involved you with know, someone because you have wanna, to be willing to let that person, you know, still have that other room. person in their heart. It's very, very interesting what you just said because I actually had that conversation with a gentleman and I asked him specifically about the fact that I identified myself as a widow. And he said, you know, any man, because I had the same thing. I thought these, some of these men, I felt like they were, you know, like preying on you, like, you know, oh, maybe yep. she's got money or maybe she's vulnerable. But, but this gentleman said something very profound, and it it's, has stayed with me. He said, any man that's going to date a widow where that woman was happily married needs to welcome that man into a new relation into that into that relationship that he can't just you don't just hide the pictures and pretend like you weren't married for 23 years or 38 right. years however long that might have been you know you don't right. you don't you don't make that um deceased person the elephant in the room you don't have right. to compare and compete but to not acknowledge is not acknowledging part of who you are. And um, right. I think the fact that you do an advocacy group for widows, and I, and I would really like to encourage anyone that's listening, because I don't, honestly, while I would agree with you, there are more women than there are men, I don't think men know how to assimilate as well as women, because we as women are nurturers at, at being mothers, we, we know how to take care of each other as girlfriends to girlfriends. And frankly, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think men kind of struggle in that area and they would just as soon be alone. Although statistics will show that they're the ones who get married the quickest. So it, it, it's yes, kind of do. an interesting bag. It, in it's, it's widowed men get married very quickly for the most part. Um, My brother if they they typically get married very quickly, um, mm-hmm. especially if they were happy, you know. Yep. Especially in that. That's absolutely case. true. Um, mm-hmm. They they want that person back, you know. They want that companionship and yep that sort of thing back in there. It's it's not a it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just very different because women tend to not get married as quickly after mm-hmm. being widowed. It's, 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 it's interesting. an interesting. It's interesting to see, oh, yes. It is. The dynamics are very, because, frankly, in, in my particular case, um, my husband died on a Thursday. He was buried the following Wednesday. It took a long time to get him buried because he died in a public place, and you had to make sure that I didn't kill him, and which I didn't. <laughs> um, but, my, but my sister-in-law, in that same week, was... was um, diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and oh my, my brother goodness. and she lived very close to my house and my brother's just a couple years younger than I am and so I was immediately I I didn't have children at home but I immediately became a chemo sabi and was with my sister-in-law for her treatment and she she lived um just short of two years and it really wasn't that long after she passed and it was with it was with my blessing, and I believe the blessing of his children might have been a little bit difficult in the very, very beginning. But through connections, he met he met his his future wife, and they've been married for five years now, and happily married. And yep. so it, it can happen, and it is it is 
for those of us that would like to perhaps maybe not get married but find that romance again in our lives, it's encouraging to know that it could happen. But people have said to me, and I'm just curious, I don't think you really grieved when Butch died. And because there's steps, Marcia, for grief. And I said, you know what? I went straight to his lifestyle. It's as if his body just came within me and he was an engineer and he lived by it is what it is, adapt, because that was really, really, that wasn't sort of a made-up thing. That was really his his core belief system. And there I was. I, it is what it is. I, I, I have to adapt. Jan needs me. Larry needs me. I don't have what what, what who, why am I going to get angry? But there are grief. There is a grief process. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, sure. There's there is definitely a grief process, but you know there are people that say there's five steps to grief, um, mm-hmm. and that there's a certain order and everything. I I don't believe in that necessarily. I don't think you need to go through all five steps or all seven steps, depending on who you talk to. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, I tended to be, I was more angry because of the situation than I was sad. Not that I didn't have moments of sadness, not that I didn't have days of sadness, but I was, because of my um, specific circumstances and because of how he died with the way the doctors dealt with him and everything, I I was a lot more angry and I was mad that this wasn't part of the plan. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have a plan of, you know, raise this kid by myself. And, you know, I, I felt like I did everything right, <laughs> you know, and, yes, yes. and, you know, had the, have the American dream life and all that fun stuff. And then it all kind of got taken away in one fell swoop when he passed away Mm -hmm. because he, you know, I, at that point was a stay at home mom and life has been dramatically different for us um, than it was in the first 10 years of her life, you know? And so I've been, it's, it's been, um, it's been very challenging. So for me, right. So for me, I was a lot more angry. Some people have mm-hmm. sadness beyond belief. I mm-hmm. I was already in a mode of like a happiness journey is what I call it of like what what makes us happy. And so I was already in that process before he passed away. So to me it was you know, okay, there's this big boulder that's been slammed down on my path. I've got to, I've got to pick a new path now. I can't keep going that way anymore. That's done. So which way am I going to go now and how, mm-hmm. how am I going to get there? And, um, you know, I, I also had people tell me that I didn't grieve properly. And I thought, you don't, you don't know what my life looks like. You don't see you know, mm-hmm. how things are when I'm by myself. You you don't know mm-hmm. the steps I've taken. So for you to judge like that is very uncalled for. Um, Boy, that could make me cry, and it's been nine years. I, I, don't, I don't think they, that when people say that to us that they mean any harm, but it's a very hurtful thing to hear. Unless you have been in our shoes, 
And all of our, look at how different your circumstance is from mine. Our age is different, the suddenness opposed to the not suddenness, you know, illness. My brother and, and two years of illness, he, he, he's, a, he's a man. Um, unless you really have walked in our shoes, you don't know. Right. Don't well, know. And, and that's exactly why the social group was so important because mm-hmm. people, they cannot know. I mean, I look back on before I was widowed and when I was trying to say words of comfort to somebody that had lost someone, and I want to mm-hmm. go back and smack my former self because I <sighs> thought I was saying something helpful and realized that even though it was coming from a genuinely good place, it, mm-hmm. it was not helpful. It, and so, you know, my words to people now, because I really am working on trying to help people who are that surround those that deal with grief, you know, the family and friends and things like that, of yes. like, you know what, less is more when it comes to talking. Do more listening. No words that you can say are going to make them feel better. There is absolutely mm-hmm. nothing that you can say that is somehow going to fix it. And mm-hmm. so less in that case is more. Um, telling somebody, if you start to find yourself saying, at least, you know, at least they're not suffering anymore. At least, you know, whatever your belief system is, you know, at least they're in heaven now or, you know, whatever, however mm-hmm. Like, just don't, because that is negating anything you're saying when you add at least. It's Mm kind of like apologizing to somebody and saying, but, you know, like, well, I'm sorry, but it's like, no, you've just negated your apology because you're, you know, you're erasing it. So, you know, you're so right, Rachel. And for those of you that are listening that maybe have found yourself in this situation, but maybe your best friend's parent just died. My my mother died young. My mother was 61 when she died. I was in my wow. 30s. And, um, and people, just precisely what you said, you, you talk about your former self. In, in, in attempting to be consoling, you know, there people people just don't really know what to say i may have already i may have said the same thing to you while we're having this conversation about your husband's suffering no one wants to have their loved ones suffer but i think what what we could probably agree about if we if you allow us to talk about him when he was alive and did right. something funny or Right. My husband, I, I swear to you, this is this is the God's truth. So I don't think my husband was dead for two days. And we're trying to put plans together here, bring my son in from Tucson, and he was just bringing the family together. Um, my husband did all the cooking after my kids graduated, after the kids were out of the house. And so my daughter said, looks at me and she says, oh, my God, mom's going to starve. And she was she was meant she meant that humorously, you know. It's like, oh yeah, pretty much. I've got this chef's kitchen, right? I just show up at six o'clock, and I'm, nobody's making nobody's put a, a scallops and a beautiful meal in front of me with a glass of red wine. So you know, it's we have to for me, and I don't know if you would just share this, but by just talking about some of the stories of 
our spouses, it just keeps them, it keeps their presence alive. I, I get it through music. Songs will come on. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, there he is. Well, so you does know, that happen to you? Of, yes, absolutely. And we're kind of the keeper of their legacy. We're kind of the keeper of their light to keep going on, especially mm-hmm. especially in a situation where there's young kids involved. Um, you know, right. fortunately, your children, you know, got to got to get through their formative years. Um, and so they, they probably remember their dad really well. Um, mm-hmm. when you have younger kids, they, their, their, their memory span is a lot shorter only because, you know, you can only go back so far. So, you know, if she remember, if my daughter remembers things from when she was four on, say, I'm just making that mm-hmm. up, but you know, that mm-hmm. seems about fair there. That's only like mm-hmm. seven years of memories. Um, so there's so many stories. We talk about him all the time and, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we go through pictures or, you know, whatever and, or something will come up, um, and I'll tell her story. So it's, you know, we're the keeper of their stories and to keep their legacy going and especially, you know, I don't know if you have grandkids or not, but, you know, at some point I'm assuming you will. Well, I'm I'm assuming at some point you will, and, you know, you'll be the one that gets to tell them stories about their Mm -hmm. grandfather and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, it is is important to keep, um, you know, you do it through through so many different venues. Sports happens to be big in our family. Certain food that we ate because my husband was Polish, and so that Polish food gets brought out. Um, you know, um, the, the hardest holiday for me, frankly, because we were, not, we were not the same religion, was Thanksgiving. And um, it's like, well, I'm making the stuffing, and why isn't he putting the turkey in the, in the oven? So we all kind of got together so that that first Thanksgiving, and it had been March to November, so there was a little space of time there. But um, it is it's, it is it is really interesting. And I, I wanted to ask you something specifically about these groups. So you have you are actually a co-leader of a group as well, aren't you? Did you want to did you want to mention something about the um, modern women's uh, the modern I said women's but I don't mean women I mean widow modern widow modern widows could you say I, something about I, that hello oh my goodness you there don't, don't hear oops Ooh, you, you dropped for Are just you one second I hear you now yes okay. I am can you hear me okay yes uh oh this is always the fear of um, a live show. Rachel, are you able to hear me clearly? Oh, dear. All right. So I'm going to keep speaking, and hopefully, and Rachel, um, her call just dropped. And this is what happens on a, on a live radio show. She has the number. There she is. I'm going to bring her right back. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness, Rachel. That The beauty of live radio. So yes, here we are, so and I'm glad fun. that you can hear me. We were just about to talk about the Widows Club, the L.A. chapter. Could you say a little bit about that? Sure, sure. It's, it's a nationwide organization founded by Carolyn Moore and um, Jen Johnson, 
came, um, moved here from the Seattle area and started the LA chapter here. It's the first one in California and I was made co-leader a few months ago. And it's, it's a women's organization to help widows. Um, It's a moving forward. It's not, it's not a grief group. It's a moving forward group and giving the tools um, and resources for thriving and surviving in our new journey. And there's a monthly topic and it's a fabulous organization that I um, would, you know, say for anybody that's widowed to, or a widow, I should say, to mm-hmm. um, find them online. And how do you find them? How, about, what would, where would you, how do they do, how would you direct them to find you? Modern Widows Club. Oh my goodness! Is it dot com or dot org? I think it I is motto. Remember. I think it is. I I think it's. I don't. I don't know if it's a dot com or dot org. But if people were to Google Modern Widows Club, there's right. more and than it comes just up the on LA Facebook. chapter. Yes, it's nationwide, and there's yes, there's actually chapters all over the place. Um, and yes, I and and you can join their online community as well. They're actually having nice. a um. There's a Widow Empowerment Weekend coming up the first weekend in August in Florida um, that Carolyn Moore, the founder, is is um, putting together. And it's going to – I have never gone, but it's supposed to be absolutely fabulous. And it's, like, life-changing mm-hmm. for the women that have gone. Nice. Yeah. No, it's a really – it's a great organization. Oh, I think that, you know, people can um, definitely Google that. And I, I even believe, honestly, in my um, blog post uh, when I posted about our show over the weekend, I linked mm-hmm. that on my post so people can also go there and find it. Perfect. I know Perfect. that one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, with you in some of this remaining time is I, I wanted to – Bring sort of. I mentioned that you were a momager at the top of the show, but I haven't really talked about what that means. And Claire, my goodness, is a very, very accomplished um, teenage uh, young woman. <laughs> and I, I really think, honestly, um, perhaps, you know, at some break in the school year, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, um, having her come back with you and and have her own voice um, come to the show as well. I have had teenagers on my show before, and, boy, you can certainly learn a lot from them. But in this time remaining, tell me what, tell me what you, what's a momager? What does that mean to you? So momager, there, my daughter, we moved, the reason why we moved to L.A. back, I said that at the top, was she is an actress, she wanted to be an okay. actress at a very young age, and I, like, kept shoving it away until I couldn't shove it away anymore. And it was like, okay, this kid is serious. And she started in theater at almost six. She was still five. And she was very good in the theater. And then she's like, Mom, I want to do TV and movies now. So she got her first agent at seven up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I kept having everybody tell me you need to get her to L.A. And so, you know, as a family, we decided to move to Southern California to let her pursue this. Because this is a kid that 
was so focused and so dedicated that it was hard to not see where she was going to go with this. Mm-hmm. And um, I, w- I can let her tell her story at another time, but basically momager is like kind of a funny word for manager um, of, you know, I'm her chauffeur, her, you know, the one that deals <laughs> with the agency, the one that deals with all the paperwork, the one that's submitting her for stuff. And I kind of act like a, an entertainment manager, but I'm the mom. So um, yes. it's, and she, you know, she not only does acting, but she writes, she's directed, she's gotten into special effects makeup. She actually was on a Nickelodeon TV show because they were looking for kids with very special skills. And out of over 2,000 kids that they were looking at, she was one of the ones that was chosen to be on the show. And cool. and that was for her special effects makeup. Um, so... Now she's really into doing spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. And this I know um, it's exciting, huh? What's going it's on? It's very with that? exciting. It's very exciting. So right now she's in rehearsal six days a week. Um they are on they call it their B and V team, which is Brave New Voices, which is going to be in Houston on I think they're leaving the eighteenth. I think is the day they're going. Mm-hmm. So that weekend um, where they're going to be doing workshops and performances and all that kind of stuff. But they, she made the LA team and they have written together and rehearsing together. So they do individual and group poems. And um, yeah, she's, she's a very um, dedicated, <laughs> dedicated kid. Cause I don't think at 16, I would have been wanting to, spend all day, every day, rehearsing, that kind of thing. But, right. you know, she's she's a dedicated kid. She also, right. um, she graduated high school at 15 and is in community college now. And she's pulling straight A's to Houston and amongst all the other stuff she's doing. So, yeah, I'm a proud mom for sure. It's another crossover, I must tell you because um, my daughter also had that same bug, not to the level or the accomplishments that your daughter has, but she did get a degree in theater arts from UCLA. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was so funny because, you know, you don't know where – Claire is so diversified that, yes. you know, um, Julie was not as diversified, um, but um, – those those skills that she's developing today provide her such confidence regardless of where her career takes her being right. able to stand on a stage and be confident in standing in your own body is pretty darn exciting and um i think it's going to be great to follow uh, what she's going to be doing, and I really do um, really wish them the best um, in Houston. Um, you know, sometimes we look back on our lives, and, and, and I, I presume that maybe you do this, I do this as well. If you were to just look back, what, would you, what advice would you give 
the Rachel that maybe is the age that Claire is today, knowing what you know today? What I know today, I would I would have told my younger self to have more of my own identity. Because I got married so young, I really went into the wife identity and I didn't develop myself as my own person. So I was I was Dave's wife. I was then later on Claire's mom. And then when I was no longer a wife, I kind of I kind of struggled for a little while trying to figure out like, well, who am I now? Like I I was very comfortable where I was <laughs> and I, I keep mm-hmm. teasing like one of these days when I grow up I'll, you know, figure out what I'm gonna do and I'm like, Well, I'm forty seven, probably I should figure that out. Um, so that that kind of encompasses the widow advocacy thing. But yes, I think that I would have told myself to make sure to have my own identity. And I actually am trying to get people to understand that now because, you know, we all have an expiration date. So people that are happily married now, it can happen to them as well. We don't know when this is going to happen. We are all going to die. So, you know, it's either going to be us or it's going to be the other person. So it makes me really sad when I see these people that were so all-encompassing with their spouse that they they had no outside friends, they had no Mm -hmm. outside identity or interest. They don't know what to do with themselves now. So I would say make sure that you have some outside interests. Make sure you have some outside friends and have that so that it's not all all your eggs in one basket. It's and I would, so have, I, lear- I would have learned Go ahead. better financial things as well because I wasn't <laughs> – that wasn't part of my thing. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that you that you said what you said because if you were to ask me that same question, I would have given the precise answer. And that is your spouse cannot be your everything. And that's what I tell people. If your mm-hmm. spouse dies, whether it's your wife or your husband, and they're your everything, you have nothing when right. they die. And, right. and you know, we, we owe it to ourselves to be whole in our own bodies as well as that spouse that we and that, that person that we are. You know, I, I, we owe I it think to our, that... We owe it to our spouses, too, so that they have their own life as well because like just as you said it's you have nothing when that person is gone then if you don't have anything correct. outside correct so you know it's it's really interesting this is an interesting radio show typically i do not take call-ins and i can see if somebody has called in and they want to speak and i actually saw where somebody had called in and they were waiting on hold for just about three minutes And I would like to offer to that person that called from a 310 area code, 
If you are still listening, because I don't recognize these phone numbers and are not identified by people, we still have about another five minutes before we're going to conclude our show. And if indeed you're still listening and you'd like to call in, I would I would welcome you to do that. And and like I said, I don't I don't typically do that, but mm-hmm. I would offer that to that person if they want to call in. In the meantime, you're yeah. busy. <clears throat> And I'm busy. We're busy, busy women. And I think that that says something about surviving as well, frankly. Um, Yes, absolutely. So what I'd like to know is balance. That's like a key word in my life. And I'd like to know, how do you balance your life, Rachel? What do you do to keep yourself centered, so to speak? Um. Well, I don't know that I consider my life very balanced or not. But how I okay. keep myself from going insane is <laughs> I have a very good friend that I make sure that we walk at the beach at least three times a week. That's my that's my zen place to go is the beach. So we don't necessarily even get on the sand, but you know we walk down on the strand and on the strand get that mm-hmm. ocean air and um, you know chat and walk and we make we walk about at least three miles and that is my okay this is going to refocus me I look forward to it if I'm having a really bad day or my daughter's having a really bad day there are times more like okay let's grab a drink and a journal and let's go butt and toes in sand and just kind of refocus take a deep a breath bit. I heard you do it Mm-hmm. Yep, just kind of take a deep breath and, you know, because mm-hmm. nothing is worth going crazy over. So sometimes you just need to take a deep breath and take a moment and re-energize yourself a little bit. Nothing, you know, the right. other thing you find being widowed, I'm sure, is that things that used to be a big deal are so not a big deal now. They just, like... <laughs> It's just right. not even a thing now. It doesn't even that doesn't even come on my radar as a problem, and uh, yeah. I, I I sometimes I find myself too. <laughs> I sometimes finding myself mm-hmm. tell people when they're complaining about something. Mm, I'm probably the wrong person to complain about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What I'm just curious. I also walk with my friends. Um, what time of day do you do you walk? Do you walk in the morning? Do you walk after? You know, what time do you have a Oh, normally, you guys meet? normally right now we're walking Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays is usually our days to walk in the morning. Um, but we've talked about switching it to the evening sometimes, but we haven't done it yet. Right now, the, mm-hmm. right now that's working for both of us, but um, you know that morning, that may though? change. What's what? What's morning for you, though? Because morning for us is 6 a.m. What's morning for you? Oh, no, 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 not that early. We're more <laughs> like 9, 9.30. Well, part of that okay. is because we have kids in school. So it was like, so drop oh, yeah, the kids of off and then meet up. Um, so that, but what we have noticed that we have been going earlier since we're not, because it's summertime and we're not dealing with getting kids to school. So, um it just depends. And then, you know, sure. if stuff comes up, then we, you know, switch it around a little bit. But that's, and that, that's my... That happens for us, too. That's yeah, my... That it's, I'm, it's, 
Go ahead. Making sure to take some time for myself because I wasn't doing that before. So that's my right. taking time for myself. And I miss it if, well, I, if there's a reason why we can't do it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I get that. Well, I knew that this hour was going to go very quickly because we are kindred spirits. And while it may sound like, you know, you and I have met before and sat down and had lunch or dinner together, the reality, we haven't done that yet, but we will because I'm really interested in what you're doing and um, we share something in common with one another, which is that community that I was talking about. It takes me right back, which is why Lisa suggested that I get in touch with you. That conversation plus connection is really what this is all about. And so I just want to thank you so very much for for joining me today and for being part of the show and just thanking you so very much, Rachel, for the what you're providing for others. And hopefully you get something from this as well as you're providing that kind of advocacy for others. So I just thank want to you. thank you so much, Rachel, for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. It was. And I wish you the best in the future, and I look forward to having a glass of wine with you soon. That Until next fabulous. time, everybody. Wouldn't that be great? Next week, I'm going to have Guide Dogs Guide Dogs of America on my show. It's a variety show, so it's tons of fun, and I really look forward to having all of you join me. So until next time, we'll be back. Thanks so much again, Rachel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. As vehicles become more advanced, so do the skills required to repair and maintain them. The world needs highly skilled professionals like you to keep them running. Receive auto or diesel technician training at Universal Technical Institute. Work with your head and your hands and learn to troubleshoot problems using state-of-the-industry technology. Get the education you need to reach for success. You could be career-ready in as little as one year. To learn more about training in your area, visit uti.edu slash longbeach. As vehicles become more advanced, so do the skills required to repair and maintain them. The world needs highly skilled professionals like you to keep them running. Receive auto or diesel technician training at Universal Technical Institute. Work with your head and your hands and learn to troubleshoot problems using state-of-the-industry technology. Get the education you need to reach for success. You could be career-ready in as little as one year. To learn more about training in your area, visit uti.edu slash longbeach.